Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Root and Roots Show on blogtalkradio.com. Now here's your host, Greg Rashid, bringing you the best in music, information, and history. Well, I want to say good evening to everyone out there. This is Greg Rashid, the host of the Root and Roots Show. We're heard every Friday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and also Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and also... On a delayed basis, uh, this show will be on Saturday on KUHS Denver Radio and Television. That's founded by Henry Archuleta, and I believe it will be on at 8 o'clock Denver time. So I know the times get confusing, but hope you enjoy the show this evening because we're going to be talking about food here. And I'm going to start off with a song because I see my guest is already on the line. So I'm going to start off with a, a local talent out of Denver who's becoming international, DJ Caven. I'm going to play Home Cooking. So let's hear Home Cooking, and this is from his CD, The Produce Section. So let's hear this on the Root and Root Show. Sliced cucumber and mint salad. Two large seedless cucumbers peeled and sliced thinly. Two tablespoons freshly squeezed lemon juice. Three tablespoons minced fresh mint, coarse sea salt. In a medium-sized bowl, combine the cucumbers, lemon juice, and mint. Toss for about one minute. Add sea salt, cover, and refrigerate. Oh, 
was DJ Caven, and that was home cooking fresh fruit, fresh food naturally. And I have on the line right now. And by the way, DJ Caven is the only that I know of hip hop artist who concentrates only on alternative food. He works on getting uh, GMO issues, just a little bit of everything. DJ Cave is amazing. He makes some of the best food around. But I want to introduce my guest who's on the line right now. She's the author of three books, a gourmet cook, a baker, cooking instructor, food coach, and actually author of four books. And this is the latest one. The Gluten-Free Vegetarian Family Cookbook, 150 Healthy Recipes for Meals, Snacks, Sides, Desserts, and much, much more. And I'm talking about Susan O'Brien. Are you there, Susan? I sure am. How are you? I'm fine. I'm just happy to have you on, and I wish I could uh, get off this phone right now and just start uh, making these menus because I... Because this this book is really great. I mean, I you know I have a number. Of, you know, I've been a vegetarian since '74, and I have a number of cookbooks and all. But this one, I mean, you got some stuff in there I've never seen, and I just oh, really enjoy. Oh yeah, it's really it's really good. And by the way, listeners, you can join in the conversation at four two four six seven five eight three one five. Four two four six seven five eight three one five. Talking with Susan O'Brien, author of the Gluten Free Vegetarian Family Cookbook. Now, tell my listeners a little of your background, because I saw that um, you know, reading the book that you have, you first cut out gluten about twenty years ago when the issue of gluten twenty some years ago was not really something that people really talked about. No, and quite um, strangely, I guess I would say I. I didn't even know that I had issues with gluten. I had problems with my digestion for years, and so um, when I cut it out, I found that I felt so much better that I wished I had cut it out 20 years before that. So it was funny because I I was misdiagnosed as having irritable bowel syndrome, and really what I had was a sensitivity to different foods and gluten being the main one. And that's, you know, that's an issue with a lot of people. I know someone who has, uh, I know a number of people who have skin issues who have had them cleared up because they cut down on the gluten they were eating or other products or dairy products, a little bit of everything. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of folks don't realize that their major problems are in what they eat. It's not what they think it is and taking medication and Taking pills and all is not the answer. That basically, it's your food. It's what you put in your it, body. That's it's right. Like that's you know, right. And, um, was, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was no, just going to say right what I thought. I thought I was eating really healthy because I was eating whole grains and I was making my own yogurt from scratch and all of the things that I was putting in my body. I thought was really good for me, and actually, they were the things that were the worst for me. They didn't benefit my health. Gluten was in everything I was making and feeding to myself and my family. And the same with yogurt. I was eating yogurt every morning. And here the two things I was most sensitive to were gluten and dairy. So because often we don't it. realize that. Yeah. Right. You, do you think that's what you should have, especially yogurt? You know, there's a whole history of yogurt as far as that's great for you, but we're finding out more and more that a lot of people cannot eat yogurt at all, and they shouldn't eat it. And it's just fascinating how 
you know, there's all these changes in diet. You see more and more labels of organic. And just tell some of my listeners about, because there are some folks out there, I say organic, and I always have to defend it. That they'll immediately say, oh, I can't get any organic food. That's too expensive. And just, just talk about organic foods, in particular the ones that you call the dirty dozen that everyone should have. Well, you know, I'm really um, particular because I do want to eat the best foods for me, and there are some foods that are um, sprayed with so many pesticides or they're treated with uh, chemicals like Roundup, which I don't think are good for us. So anything that has... Um, something that you can peel away, like a banana. I don't eat organic bananas because I don't believe that um, there's anything that that gets to the banana. But things like strawberries and apples that are so commonly sprayed with pesticides and herbicides and all of that, I avoid them altogether. So I tell people, you know, if you're on a restricted budget, like so many of us are, just pay attention when you're at the market to the things that you think have the most exposure to chemicals and pesticides and things like squashes and, you know, like I mentioned, bananas and other uh, fruits and vegetables that have really thick skins that it isn't going to permeate. It isn't such a big deal. But you can get organic Almost everywhere now at your grocery stores, they have sections that's organic. Or if you go to a farmer's market, so many more of the farmers now are growing fruits and vegetables organically. So it's so much easier to get it. And I've even seen organic uh, fruits and vegetables at the 99-cent store. So I think yeah, it's amazing. really – yeah, it's really amazing. And and stores like Target have organic um, foods now in their in their um, food section. So I think it's a lot easier to get organic, and it's getting less expensive because the demand for it is growing. It certainly is. And uh, you have to, you know, I want you to tell my listeners also to be careful with some things that are labeled organic and natural. And talk well, a little there bit is about quite a that. difference. Yes. Um, You know, if a food is is labeled natural, then it isn't organic because it has to be certified organic. And so if it's natural, that means that some of the ingredients in it may be organic and some may not. But it's not organic if it only says natural. And that's what people should keep in mind. And there's a little label that says that USDA organic that you can look Absolutely. at. Absolutely. Yes, it has really to check be that certified. Out. Yep, absolutely. Now, I know when I go to the farmer's markets, when I've gone to farmer's markets in the past, and I'll be going soon this year now that now it's getting warm, that a lot of the farmers don't have that label on their products, but you can trust them as far as organic produce. Well, that's true if they have a sign um, on their stand. I I pressed a a vendor at one of our um, farms here about that because um, if it doesn't have a sign labeled somewhere that it's certified organic, they can say it's organic or they might say it's organic, but unless you see proof of it, there's a gentleman at our farmer's market here in California where I live where he actually has it in a um, 
plastic sleeve so he he can show his certificate to anyone that asks just because he's getting so many people asking is your fruit organic and so it it is uh, or it should be labeled in some way the fruit itself doesn't have to be labeled but right. um, there should be some indication now talk about buying things in season cuz many times you can get let's say a watermelon in December, and let's say somewhere like North Dakota or something. What what is this doing here? <laughs> Talk about that. Well, they're coming from other countries, uh, most likely. Um, for instance, right now, um, it's not yet tomato season, but you can buy fresh tomatoes at the market, and they're the majority of them are all coming from Mexico, and um, some of them come from Guatemala, and so. What I do is I try to um, buy all of my vegetables that are in season, meaning that they are growing somewhere, and and I I prefer to buy my uh, fruits and vegetables from the United States, but not everybody is that particular. I'm kind of over the top. But um, So in the wintertime, I eat a lot of acorn squash, butternut squash, um, you know, foods that uh, are more of the season in which they are growing. So carrots, um, things that will hold over, potatoes, sweet potatoes, yams, all of those things are really winter vegetables. And now that we're into spring, asparagus is coming into season. And peas, in summertime, of course, we have zucchini and broccoli and eggplant and all of those. And so I kind of follow the seasons. Fall is, is tomatoes and apples, and um, and then that way you know you're eating the fruits and vegetables at their uh, prime, in their prime, and you're not getting something that's really old. If you notice, by the end of the apple season come summertime, they're oftentimes very mushy, and that's because they were, you know, harvested in the, the previous fall and then just held over. And by the end of the season, they're not nearly as fresh as they were when they were first picked. Yeah, that's right. And listeners, you can call in. The number is 424-675-8315. I'm talking to Susan O'Brien, the author of the book, The Gluten-Free Vegetarian Family Cookbook. Now, reading the book, um, I noticed that you fell in love. I want you to talk to the folks about your love all of a sudden for sauerkraut. You're going to rave about it in here. I know. Well, you know, it's funny. Growing up, I couldn't stand it. And um, what I found is that sauerkraut, it doesn't have to be just the old-fashioned sauerkraut that your grandmother used to have, um, you know, out of the pantry. When you make something fresh, the flavors are just so much more alive. And sauerkraut is... Is um, it has so many probiotics in it that it helps us digest our food properly, and it just really is good for the gut. And you know, I add so many different things to it. I put carrots and apples and different seasonings into it, so that it really doesn't just become something that I should eat, but it becomes something right. I enjoy eating. And I add you it to a lot of, of different things. Right, because a lot of people, you think of sauerkraut, you think of hot dogs. I know, I know. It doesn't have to be that old, icky-looking, 
you know, stinky thing. I mean, it, it, it really can come to life and be vibrant with both flavors, textures, and, um, of course, enzymes. Right. Now, talk about, you know, about some of the things that people can eat. And I've, had, I've talked about this on the show in the past, but it's in your book, too, about some of the things that for folks who want to get protein, who are getting off meat, getting off fish, chicken, and some of the proteins that you mentioned in your book, alternatives. Well, you know, it's so funny because we can get protein from fruits and vegetables. They, it's it's interesting because when I was growing up, I was really told the only way I could get protein was from meat and um, right. dairy products, and and so I really struggled when I I became a vegetarian to find good sources of protein. And of course, there's so many sources. There's beans and legumes and for me the way i try to incorporate more uh, protein into my diet is through foods like chia chia seeds you know those old chia pets that we see during the holidays are really quite chock full of of um, protein and quinoa i i love quinoa and i keep it uh cooked in a container in my refrigerator, and I throw it into soups and stews and stir-fries and breakfast cereal, and I make teff. Uh, Teff is the smallest grain on the planet, and it's chock full of protein, and it has kind of a nutty flavor. I make waffles out of it. I make cookies. I add it. I had never, and I have to be honest with you, I had never heard of teff until I read your book. I think I knew most of the grains. It's like teff. No, and I just made made porridge out of it this week. You can buy it in a flour. You can buy it as a grain. And when you make it as a porridge in the morning, you just kind of lightly toast it in a pan and add some water and cover it and let it cook like you would oatmeal. And then when it's finished, I added some chopped dates and a little bit of cinnamon and just a um, a spot of uh, honey, not honey, um, uh, agave. And uh, and then I, you know, I just had it for my breakfast. I found it very filling and fortifying because, I, you know, it has so much protein that, boom, my brain just came awake. I'm going to have to definitely try it because I had never heard of Tiff. That's great, and it's it's very hearty, so it it works really well in in cookies and muffins and and waffles. I have a great waffle recipe uh, in the book that uses teff, and if you if you mix it with other flours, it cuts the you know the hearty taste a little bit, so it can um, it can be added to things, but it doesn't have to overpower everything. Right. Now, I was curious, I didn't see any mentions about hemp flour or hemp seeds or anything in your book. I was curious well, about that. That's <laughs> well, there is a really good reason for it, and it's because I'm allergic to hemp seeds. <laughs> oh. oh, okay, okay. So that is the only reason, and I, I know a lot of people love hemp, and I just can't eat it, so... Being a cookbook author, I, I I had to stay away from foods that you know um, don't support my own well-being because I I sample everything and that's actually right. how I found out uh, about my my sensitivity or allergy to hemp was 
um, I was eating it, and I kept having digestive problems. And when I did the elimination diet, it was uh, it was hemp that I I found out I couldn't tolerate. That's yeah, that's something because I was curious about that, and I was also wanted to ask you too as far as um, you don't mention this in the book, but how much water should someone drink per day when you're doing the gluten-free? I really think it depends on the individual. I mean, depending on um, each person, like there isn't really a set amount of water. I think I read that recently that that you know it used to the reference used to always be that we should drink at least eight glasses of water a day. But if you're right. a small person, eight glasses of water is a, a lot. And if you're a really large person, it might not be enough. If you're very physically active, you're an athlete. Um, you know, you have to moderate the amount of water that you drink. But I, um, I'm i drinking a glass of water right now. <laughs> I I tend to drink about six glasses of water a day, but that's just me. Um, and right. you can get water um, from tea. You know, they've the other um, change that I read recently was that it doesn't have to be just water. If you have a cup of herbal tea, that counts as as drinking a cup of water. So uh, I think we can get it in multiple forms. But not diet soda, please don't. <laughs> oh, gosh, don't. I do not drink soda at all. No. And I actually don't drink very many juices either unless I fresh squeeze them. I, I think there's, you know, obviously you and I probably agree on diet soda. It's not good for us. And I think juices are very high in sugars and I don't like. Oh yeah, to they might. Some of them are worse than diet sodas. You know, some some exactly. juices are awful. Yeah, and, yeah. Know, I, I just I I don't advocate for them. Right. You know, and something else I used to eat a lot of. You know, as a vegetarian, but I became a vegan last year, and I have cut out completely the processed veggie burgers. Yeah, my, I don't. I don't eat those either. Because my research has just shown that in many cases, some veggie burgers, you'd be better off, I hate to say it, eating a slab of meat with some of the stuff. Because you were mentioning Roundup earlier, and there are some veggie burgers that have chemicals that you could never pronounce. Well, I think that's the case, and I think they're also full of what I call filler. And right. it's just, you know, it's empty calories. It's, it's you know, a lot of them are, have a lot of wheat in them, and wheat is a filler. It's also a binding um, material. And, and so I think a lot of what is in them isn't really nutritious. And that's why this book is a real um, shift from my previous book, which was Comfort Food, because I really think that um, a lot of, gluten-free people um, eating the gluten-free foods available on the markets today think they're doing themselves a service, when in reality, I think a lot of the foods on the market that are gluten-free today aren't very good for us. No, they definitely aren't. And um, I was going to ask you, last thing I'm going to ask you if you can remember any recipe, but give my listeners, uh, can you remember the quinoa um, burger recipe? Um, Well, the quinoa, you know, the funny thing is, one of the funny things about my 
um, recipes is you can really, you know, swap things up depending on what you have in your um, refrigerator. But but the burgers, the quinoa burgers that um, one of the recipes, I have two, one is just a quinoa burger and another is a quinoa with veggies, um, is I I use what I have in the refrigerator. So in the veggie one, I used kale and onion and mushroom and bell pepper and carrots and lemon and chili powder and obviously quinoa and um, uh, a little bit of coconut oil and, and salt and pepper to taste. And, and uh, I put it all together and... Um, kind of made them into the you know into a patty after you cook the quinoa and you and you i also use some uh brown rice crackers and um and and mushed it you really have to mush it all together and the same with the um uh quinoa burgers i actually did you know i'm kind of talking about two different recipes but it's the same thing you take the vegetables right. and, and the quinoa and you form them into patties. So and you want to, you know, really press them together so that they're not going to fall apart when you um, put them on the skillet. And and I don't grill on a on a uh, outdoor barbecue with these kinds of foods because they don't have you know animal protein or anything in them to hold them together well. So we really have to realize that they're a bit on the fragile side. So right. um, I cook them on a on a griddle, you know, in the in the in the kitchen on the stove, and it works really well. And and you can serve it over a gluten free bun. But again, I don't think those are the healthiest things for us. So I tend to do it more um, like in a lettuce wrap. I like it that hey, way. Those are good. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you're getting they? me hungry. I- I know. I, I got to put this book up now. I got to, you know. But I, Susan, I just want to thank you for stopping by here today. If anyone wants to reach you, you have a website or anything? I do. It's www.susanobrien.org. O-R-G. All right. Well, thank you so much, Susan, and I look forward to maybe meeting you one day. This is a great. Do you go? Uh, do you uh, participate in as far as some of the uh, vegetarian or vegan festivals? Do you do know, those? I haven't I haven't because one thing that um isn't on my book anywhere is I'm a, f- a full-time medical education consultant. So I have a day job unfortunately that includes oh, okay. me from traveling around doing too many of the festivals, but um when I retire I have high hopes of spending more time attending those. Last year I attended one in uh, San Diego, California. It was the first ever gluten-free Oktoberfest, and I did uh, I did that because it was close to home. But um, not too much traveling these days. Right. Well, Susan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Look forward to meeting you and I tell everyone out there to get this book, the Gluten-Free Vegetarian Family Cookbook. is on the Capitol Press and actually it's on Lifelong Books. I like that. Lifelong Books. So thank you so much, Susan, for being on today. Thanks so much for having me. All right. You take care. And again, that was Susan O'Brien. The name of the book is The Gluten-Free Vegetarian Family Cookbook. And we're going to have another guest on in a minute. And I'm going to play another song from DJ Cave. And I'm going to do all about the green, because the green is about to come on here in a minute, so let's hear all about the green on the Root and Root Show. 
pavement again, and that was all about the green from the produce uh, section. And I have one line. I have to say this first of all. The young lady that's on the line right now. I've been doing since I got on. You know, I've been on radio for since 2001, and I started promoting shows on Facebook when I got on there what, six years ago. And usually when I promote a show and say who's going to be the guest to get on, maybe I get maybe 20 likes or something. But the record was broken yesterday when people found out that, don't laugh there, that Bev Grant, the one and only More Better Greens is going to be on. I got 116 likes on there. And I, I said, my goodness, Bev is like a legend in Denver, probably a legend throughout the country, because some of these people did not live in the Denver area. But I want to introduce my audience who have not, do not know of her, Bev Grant, the one only Bev Grant of Mo Better Greens Marketplace. How are you doing, Bev? I'm well. Thank you, Greg. Well, thank you so much. And you can join. And you folks who are liking her, I hope you're listening. You can call in at 424-675-8315, 424-675-8315. And I played DJ Caven because, as you know him very well, but he has always been at your events when you do your farmer's market. And I got the best greens I've ever gotten in my life was at your market two years ago. Well, what was it? Uh, July 2013 before I left Denver. It was just incredible. Wow, big. I'm telling you, you know, I have been around the world, and they were the best. When I cooked those things up, oh, man, steamed those up, they were so, they were really great. And I'm not saying this because I know you, but it was just some amazing, you know, just amazing greens, as well as the smoothies you were giving out that day. They were something. But, Bev, I just want you to tell listeners about what you have been doing, what you've done. How did you get, how did you get started? First off, I've never asked you this and deciding just to do, you know, just doing healthy foods for people, doing vegetarian foods, vegan foods. What what made you decide to do that? Well, um, eating healthy food is really kind of part of my family culture, um, you know, on both sides of my family, um, my mom's and my dad's side. And um, they both were are from the South, and um, came from a culture of growing their own food. And so um, so that was just a part of my background. And then all my life, I never really strayed too far from trying to, quote, unquote, eat well. But, you know, as time passes and you learn more about what that really means and then how the food of today is vastly different than the food of yesterday. Um, right. You know, it's important that, um, you know, we need a lot of education. We need to kind of redirect our um, habits and um, the way we prepare things, etc. But most importantly, Greg, we're not going to do that if it does not taste good. And, and, you know, we're just not if it doesn't taste good. So I really try to spend a lot of time on not only it being healthy, but it being flavorful. So that way, you know, you're motivated to want to make this change. Right. And you do a great job as far as motivating folks 
in the community there in Denver, and just tell you know tell folks. Well, first of all, what made you decide after a while? Because it's not easy to do that to create a farmers market to go from what your family was doing to just getting it to the public. What what made you decide to do that? Well, um, it was really kind of an evolution that where frustration was a part of it, meaning um, being a Denver native and living kind of around the city, but I love living in northeast Denver. That's, you know, where I was born and raised. Um, you know, in more recent years, you know, this sector of the city, as other patches, is called a food desert, which means there's no grocery store within a couple miles of your residence. And um, many other Denver natives, and in particular people that lived in Park Hill, um, we know when we had two grocery stores there, King Supers and Safeway, and... Um, you know, on my timeline, that happened when I was in elementary school. And, you know, fast-forwarding to today, um, I have children in their mid-20s, and nothing's still been done over there to bring uh, fresh food back into the community. And so, you know, that's kind of a problem. And But... Hey, a small solution is a farmer's market, and so right. when I got the opportunity to do that, um, then then the real work began because I had to. I wanted to offer um, organic food only. I wanted to be able to tell anybody that came to the market that I know where every bit of the food came from because I've been to those farms. I've met the farmers, the growers. Um, and so I know how the food was grown. And, um, you know, then also looking at um, how our community has so much health disparity today with diabetes, cardiac issues, um, right. overweight. What, and, and, Bev, what, what do you say to some folks? I've run into these folks who always say to, who will say to me, well, you know, all of us, being African Americans, all of us eventually going to have sugar. So therefore, we just got to live with it. What do you say to folks like well, that? Well, um, no, that's that's not true. I mean, that right. old adage of "you are what you eat" is absolutely true. And most of us have forgotten that food is medicine. We've completely yes, forgotten about that. And then here's another thing: many of us are not even really eating. food. Food, not real food. If we're eating like a lot of fast food stuff, microwave magic, you know, um, things that are kind of pre-prepared, you know, that there's not a lot of nutrient value in that. It's going to keep you from being hungry, but you're not getting a lot of nutrient value, and you're getting empty calories, um, a lot of times too much salt, sugar, things that we starches, things we don't need. Other additives, and you know, I tell people all the time when you're shopping and you're reading labels, and you know something says organic, and you flip it on the back and read if if there are items in the ingredient list that you cannot pronounce, you don't need to buy that. That's right. You know, can't That's recognize what we about it. In the first it's half of not. The show. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, and uh, so that's what's getting us in trouble is because we're consuming a lot of things unknowingly. So, so back to the farmer's market, my goal was to, you know, because I was thinking about our community and, you know, we don't play. If it don't taste good, you're not going to get our attention. If it don't look right, you're not going to get our attention. Um, if it doesn't sound right, hey, we're not going to pay attention. And right. so looking at trying to cater outreach, engagement, education, and um, support consultation around our community, you know, I got to look at, um, just look at that, you know, our culture, ways, try to incorporate things that we appreciate, um, you know, try to speak to our needs. And, you know, sometimes you you may find me at a school, like uh, today I, I wanted to give a shout out to Nita Henry and the Lynx for giving me an opportunity to uh, work at an elementary school today, 55th graders. Awesome. All right. You know, so I might be at a school, I might be at a church. When you bring farmers uh, market samples? Season, that's did you bring where samples for the, Did you bring any samples for the kids today at the school? You know I did. We made juice today. Oh, yeah. And then I brought them some healthy uh, snack bags. That, you know, I told them they had um, chips, you know, uh, chips dip and a pickle, for example. But it would, when they looked in the bag, they had a raw cucumber that was the size of a pickle. They had hummus and carrot chips um, and an apple, you know. And then we, okay. we had juice. Uh, you know, I made them a Brussels sprout pineapple juice. I wish you could hear how they thought it was going to be absolutely yucky, but it wasn't. And, you know, and so that's that's my point. You know, if you find a way that you can create an appeal, um, then, you know, then we will pay attention. And then because we have to build rapport, we've got to build trust, you know, those those are important things. And so that's what I I seek to try to do through the farmer's market and through whatever engagement opportunities avail. And I tell people that, you know, I'm on the heel tip for healthy eating, active living, that, um, you know, it doesn't, you know, I'm not trying to be too preachy about it. I look at we can only do what we can do. You know, our lifestyles only allow so much time and so much budget. And so I, I look at that, too. I spend a whole lot of time looking at that so that whenever I'm making suggestions, it's affordable, it's attainable, it's ingredients that you can access. And, um, you know, or if I'm teaching you to make something, it's absolutely something you can you can make at home, starting tonight if you choose. So... Um, you know, so those are some of the things that I try to look at. And, um, you know, I tell people that the farmer's market is founded on three principles of food literacy, environmental stewardship, and social responsibility. And when you look at all those things, um, 
you know, then it does make your outreach different. It makes <laughs> maybe people important. you interact with different, and that's intentional. Right, and that's really great to have those three, you know, just that, that model there, basically. I mean, that is very important. Now, and also, I have to say to folks out there who are listening, you call in at 424-675-8315, that the prices at your farmer's market are very inexpensive. They are, you know, considering you really have great prices, and I just want to thank you for that because you're, you know, you're trying to encourage health in the community, and that's not, well, you know, no, your, uh, our health is our true wealth, Greg. I mean, everyone it. listening, me and you, people we know, we all have our aspirations, our dreams, our goals. We're very busy people, you know, and but if we are not healthy, we ain't doing nothing. You know, we're not going to be able to. And so, you know, our health is our true wealth, and our bodies are so resilient that if we are intentional about what we're eating, you know, we can heal ourselves and be and be disease-free in most cases, you know. Um, you know, I'm not going to ever just say blah, 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 but I just know from practicing it myself, from um others that I know that do, that, hey, you know, it's not that hard. It's just we got to know what we're doing, We, you know, and knowledge is the key. That's it. And, if, you know, if you see Bev in person or look at her pictures on, on the Internet, I mean, she's just glowing. You can tell she's just extremely healthy. You know, it's just, you know, it's because she puts the proper fuel in her body. And that's why you can see that she's a, a perfect example, and also, you know, the reason I wanted you on here also, too, because if I'm not mistaken, you're the only African-American that's doing a farmer's market in the state of Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, I won't just say yes to that because, um, you know, there there are always businesses that exist under the radar screen that we don't know. Right. and. You know, and heck, I was under the radar screen for a long time. You know, and so um, I don't. Yeah, I won't just make that claim. I'm probably right. the, I'll, the I'll make it for only you. visible one right now. <laughs> right, <laughs> we'll say I'll, that. I'll make it for you then. I'll, I'll make that claim for you there because you do. You know, I mean, you work very hard, and it's just you're devoted to the community there, and and it's not just you know. I mean, you concentrate on Northeast Denver, but you branch out in the community, too. And I'm just, you know, and that's great to do. Now, tell folks where you are, because I know some people are wondering, where actually is the farmer's market? Where does she do all this? Yes, well, um, uh, this season will begin in June, and in fact, on Juneteenth Day, which is June 20th this year, um, I'll be opening the Five Points location, and I am located in the Charles Cousins Plaza, which is on the south side of the Blair Caldwell Library. So that's where the market will be. And then on Juneteenth Day, which is going to be, you know, which is always an awesome, awesome day, we're going to um, have a stage down on that end of the street this year. 
and um, and I I will be part of um, the green zone that Juneteenth will have, and I'm I'm telling well, people that my little now. portion, oh, my really? little portion within the Juneteenth green zone is the heal zone for healthy eating, active living, oh. and we'll be having food demos on the stage all day, juicing, smoothie making. We'll have some uh, exercise engagement. I have Apprentice of Peace coming to do some Tai Chi. I have a couple people that will be doing yoga, Cleo Parker Robinson helping with movement, and then different chefs coming to do food demos. Um, We will have... um, DJs to come, different performance artists, and just kind of keep that end busy. But everything will evolve around healthy eating and active living in our little sector. Um, That's great. So now, I, I'm going to ask you this, Now, there are some, I know there are folks that are listening in because this is broadcast on a delayed basis in Denver on KUHS. But also, I have listeners throughout the world, actually, and I know someone is sitting there maybe in Alabama, maybe in the D.C. area, maybe in California, saying, okay, they're talking about Denver, but what about me? i got a food desert here. What, what, should, what steps should I take? Well, what I'm finding is that within every food desert community across the country, people are mobilizing to do similar things to create farmer's markets, urban farms, um, uh, models called CSA, which stand for Community Supported Agriculture, or there's another acronym, NSA, for Neighborhood Supported Agriculture. Both of those um, models are membership-based, where someone, you know, you pay an annual fee to be a part of this uh, CSA or NSA, and then every week you receive a share of um, freshly harvested foods from the farm or growing collective that you that holds your membership. And so um, I'm finding that that all of these kinds of things are popping up. And whether it's D.C. or Alabama, um, New York. Uh, it could be California, I'm telling you. People are on this page. Detroit, um, many of the inner cities where we're finding where the people of color are also happen to be food deserts, you know. Right. There's a lot of activity happening there to to overturn that. Yeah, that's great. You know, I'm just, just thankful that you're out there doing that in Denver, and making folks aware of health and what they can do and and just being you know, just being a positive you know, positive role model for the community. Now if people want to reach you, uh, give them a website, phone number, whatever you know, so people can get a hold of you. Well, what I would say, um not a website, but um I use Facebook a lot and I have two Facebook pages, a friend page um, which is based, they're both in the name of the market. Um, the friend page is, the first name is Mo Betta, one word, M O B 
B-E-T-T-A, and then the Mm -hmm. last name is Green, or the Marketplace page is the entire name of the... uh, of the market, which is mo m o apostrophe b e t t a green marketplace one word, and either page you could send me anyone could send me a message and I'll respond. Um, or if you, if people like to email, then it could be m b g manager at gmail. Very simple. That, that's great. Now, have you gotten any? Um feelers from people around the country like, well, can you come out here to start this? Can you help us? Do you get any of that? Yeah, I do um, sometimes. And, uh, you know, you just that's just kind of a case-by-case case because, to be honest, um, you know, people, all communities have the people, the tools, and the resources they need right there in their own community. So, my goal would just be to share with them the template that I've developed for working right. in the inner cities, and then you know it's it's flexible, nimble, and adaptable to any neighborhood. And case in point, here here in Denver, um, I'm in four different neighborhoods, and no market is the same in each neighborhood because I'm in a different place, and but. What one one thing, no matter what, the education is needed everywhere. Um, you know, quality food is needed anywhere, and so right. you know that's a good um, foundational building block. Right, and you've done such a superb job there. And Bev, I just want to thank you for coming on again. I'm gonna have you on again to talk about what you're doing in the community because you really are. You know, you're just a, a legend. You're just really a legend. I am not a legend. Quit saying that, please. But okay, you know, okay, I appreciate just... that. I appreciate that esteem. I really do. But hey, I am not a legend. You know, I'm just a hardworking person like the That's next right. woman out there, and it's not easy. You know, it definitely is. It isn't. certainly is. Okay, and so, um, but hey, I am committed, I am inspired, Um, like I say, today I was so, it was so exciting at the school, and right there in my my neighborhood, home neighborhood of Park Hill, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and to see all the kids there, they're trying stuff and loving it, and um, then I have things left over afterwards. Can I have those Brussels sprouts? Can I have that mint? Can, yes, yes, take it, absolutely. You know, then, um, you know, we get those kids inspired. We, You know, we've got a healthier future ahead. That's where you start to seed right there. And, I mean, you're up against advertising that's constantly bombarding kids and their parents as far as eating. you got to go to McDonald's. you got to go here. You got to eat this. That's all poison. And for you to do well, this, well, but that's why the mm-hmm. education is important. That's why um, if they if people taste it, they see that it's you can create fast food at home. And I tell them this is faster than fast food because oh, yeah. you can create this, consume it before you drive to the drive-through and back. So that's you it. know, um, but you just. You have to you have to stay on it constantly, you know. You have to be willing to 
go over the same thing more than once. Um, you know, nothing's overnight. You know, we're, we're talking about making lifestyle changes, changing our habits, our thinking. You know, that, that doesn't happen in one encounter usually. No, it doesn't. And you, you must have been reading my mind because I'm about to play right now DJ Caven's uh, You Gotta Be the Change. So that's perfect. So, Bev, I just want to thank you again for being on. I'll be talking to you later on. And just keep on doing the great work that you're doing out there. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Greg. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. All right. You take care, Bev. All right. And again, I was Bev Grant and more better greens marketplace out in Denver, but she's encouraging you. You can do that anywhere. You can just get some folks together and just create farmer's market, community garden, anything. If you're in a food desert, just anything. You can create it. You can do it yourself. You don't have to just run to a fast food restaurant and get food or go to a store and get instant cereal, instant, you know, diet sodas, all of this poison, you can make the change. It doesn't take that much. So let me play right now DJ Cavins. You got to be the change on the Root and Root Show. Mentally free, we still eat 
and hard to read. I do my best. I'm heaving in my chest. My hands entwined with roots. Simple, sprouting fast. We can grow just what we choose. What you hold and hold the truth. Can you make the people listen to cataclysmic secrets in the chasm? and seek a mission? But we were climbing like jack on them beanstalks. And with these glass ceilings growing up, the tree stops. It's Big Bang framing when the seed pops its shell. The tide ebbs and swells. We can't feel it from a cell. They opened up the jail, closed down the school. But keep your cool, son. Not letting the heat wave make you sweat is rule one. Jewels won't turn to sustenance and food when the warming of the globe is done.
much. God bless you. We're going to see you in winning.
It depends on what type of soul food you get, but that's, um, yes, Leela James there, and that was soul food from the CD, A Change Is Gonna Come. Before that, we did a Kenny Burrell on guitar, along with Stanley Tarantino on saxophone, and Ray Barreto on congas, and that was Chitlin's Concarney, and that's from the CD uh, Midnight Blue, 1963, I think, 1963. And before that, we did the one and only James Brown, Godfather of Soul, and Mother Popcorn, and before that, we started with Bo Jock doing a little Zydeco music, and that one was Cornbread, and they do food here on the Root and Root Show since we've been talking about food this evening, healthy food earlier, but some of this stuff will not be too healthy, but it is food, so we're going to get back to more music. We're going to do, let's see, right now, I think we will go and do a little bit right now. We're going to do one from 66, Jay and the Techniques. Apple, peaches, pumpkin pie. So let's hear that on the Root and Root Show. Just like I do. 
and I don't know what's going but the soul is so violent, and we are so peaceful. We sit by the campfire and listen to our rituals, and we are so violent, I don't understand, I don't understand.
Oh, well, I'm not so boss. Compelled to fish. Best of dish I ever, ever had. Now, matzo balls and confilter fish makes you order up an extra dish. Matzo balls, confilter fish, really, really, really very fine. Now, you put a little horseradish on it and make it very mellow because it really knocks you right on out.
sing song, ding dong, I'll take a trip to China. Cornbread and butter beans, then back to North Carolina. Cornbread and butter beans, and you cross the table. Eating in beans and making love as long as I'm able. Pulling corn and cotton too, and when the day is over, ride the mule and cut the fool and love again all
Jason Black, who's the producer and director of the movie, the documentary, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, 7 a.m. Again, 7 a.m., Jason Black will be on here tomorrow. He has a show on Blog Talk called The Black Channel. He is just, uh, he's just, he is an authority, so I hope you can please tune in for that one tomorrow because you really enjoy that show because he has a lot to say, a lot of positive information for you. But this is Greg Rashid again with the Root & Root Show, and I'm going to go out here with, um, I think we'll play a little bit of, uh, I haven't done any gospel in a while, and I'm supposed to be doing gospel on this show, and I haven't done any gospel. Shame on me. So I think we'll go out today with, um, Big Bill Bruzy, who usually sings blues, but he sang with the Chicago Sanctified Singers at one time. And tell me what kind of man Jesus is. So let's hear that. Go in love and peace. And this is Greg Rasheed. We'll see you next time on the Root and Root Show. Come, come, tell me what I